Hi Pathway family, it's Pastor Andrew, and today we're going to continue our sermon series through the book of Joshua. So if you turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 10, we're actually going to be talking about one of the cooler miracles in the Old Testament today. And as we've seen in our study on Joshua, God shows up in miraculous ways, in unexpected ways, um, to his people, and he does mighty things in the lives of his people even uh, when they are unfaithful or whether they are faithful or not. The most important thing to remember this morning, though, is that God is faithful to us. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to read in in Joshua chapter 10. We're going to be starting in verse 6. So if you found it in your Bibles, go ahead and read along with me, starting in Joshua chapter 10, verse 6. And it says this, it says, And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly, save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makedah. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they had and they died. Uh, there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel uh, killed with the sword. Uh, then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. Uh, so the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Let's pray this morning before we get into this morning's teaching. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. We just pray that you would be here with us. We, we pray that your spirit would speak to us, that your presence would be here, and that we would enjoy learning about this amazing miracle uh, that you performed in this battle. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. In your name, amen. So the first thing that we want to be talking about today is Joshua's faith. Here we have, and just to give you kind of, we started in the middle of the chapter, so I want to kind of backtrack and I want to give you guys some some context of what's going on. Um, The five kings of these cities gather together, if you read in the first six verses uh, that we didn't read, 
these five kings gather up against Gibeon. They see that there's been a peace treaty between the Israelites and Gibeon, and they say, hey, we're going to go get Gibeon now. And they, they gather against Gibeon. And the Gibeonites call on Joshua to come and help them. And if you guys remember in chapter 9, uh, Joshua had made a covenant with Gibeon uh, that was not the wisest thing to do. In, in chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, it says this. It says, Then the men of Israel took some of their, uh, the Gibeonites, uh, provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Uh, that's key. So Joshua uh, made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live and the rulers of the congregation uh, to work uh, toward him, uh, to him. Sorry. Uh, note that they did not seek the counsel of the Lord. This is very important in this case because guys, when we don't seek the counsel of the Lord, bad things start to happen. And, and the Gibeonites, uh, there were a lot of people that were upset uh, that Joshua went into this peace deal with the Gibeonites. And so here was Joshua's opportunity, guys, to get out of a bad deal. And sometimes we have the opportunity when we've made a bad deal to get out of it. Joshua's opportunity was here. The five kings were coming against Gibeon. They had every intention of wiping Gibeon off the face of the earth. And Joshua could have just stood back and said, great, problem dealt with. Now, now I made a bad deal, but now it's been dealt with and I don't have to live up to that uh, deal anymore. Um, so... Joshua could have let them do just that. They could have taken them out and it would have gotten Israel out of the bad deal. He would have been a hero. Everything was, would have been great. But Joshua was a man of his word. Um, and, and he started the long, hard march to war with these five uh, cities, these kings of the five cities. Uh, it's important to note that up to this point, the children of Israel had only fought against individual cities. They had never come up against more than one king or more than one army. And so it would have been easier for them at this point to turn away and to walk the other direction and to be like, I can't hear you, Gibeon, sorry, and just let them die. Um, but again, being a man of his word and being faithful to his word, he not only marched to war, but he marched all night long to war. Um, we see that it's important that we keep our word in places like Matthew 5.33. We won't turn there right now in James 5.12, but we see how important it is to God that we, that we let our yes be yes and our no be no, and that we, we keep the promises that we make to people. And so Joshua was keeping these promise, this promise that he had made, made uh, to the, the Gibeonites. And Deuteronomy 7.9 says this, it says, Therefore know that the Lord your God he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So God wants to, is, is trying in this case, he's trying to show Joshua that he is a faithful God. And so Joshua should be a faithful man. And when we say yes, we should mean yes. When we say no, we should mean no. And so Joshua is, is showing up to be a man of his word. And he shows great faith uh, to the people by being willing to uphold his end of the agreement with the Gibeonites, regardless of popularity of opinion, regardless of, I mean, they were going to war, so they knew they were going to be dying. They knew there was going to be bloodshed. Um, they still did it, and they march all night long to come up against uh, these five, five armies. And the the distance is about 20 miles that they that they marched. Um, about 3,300 feet up in elevation. So it wouldn't have been an easy march that they were doing. And I'm sure that it would have been tempting to, to say, why are we even doing this? Um, 
we didn't seek the counsel of the Lord on this agreement. Why are we keeping our agreement? And so it's easy for us sometimes to try and get out of um, our word because it's easier sometimes to say, you know what, I, I misspoke and I shouldn't have, um, but he wanted to keep his word. And, and so we need, to, we need to be men and women of our word. We need to be men and women that, that encourage others to keep their word and to keep our promises. When, when, we, when we say, yes, we're going to do something, we need to do it. And so Joshua here is exemplifying that for us in that he said, yes, he would help the Gibeonites. He would protect the Gibeonites. He would come to their aid if they needed him. And he is upholding that. And so he showed great faith in that because, guys, again, Sometimes it's easier to not live up to that word. Sometimes it's easier to say, you know what? Uh, I see a door out of this bad agreement. I'm going to take that door. I'm going to take that opportunity to get out of this bad situation. And Joshua didn't do that. And so it's important to view Joshua's faith. It's also important and maybe even more important, not maybe, it is more important to, to notice God's faithful fight. So as we read on, we see that God shows up in this battle in multiple ways uh, and in helping the people of Israel. And so Joshua knew uh, that he had to be faithful to God and that God, uh, God made sure Joshua uh, knew that he, God, would be with the people. So uh, Romans 8.31 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And in this moment, I believe that the people of Israel knew that God was for them. And so who can be against us? And so Joshua is probably preaching that kind of message to his, to his army as he's going forward as the, uh, to these men of valor as we read. He's probably saying, guys, we have God on our side, so who can be against us? And not only that, we read specifically uh, that God says to Joshua there in verse 8, he says, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall, uh, shall uh, uh, stand before you. Sorry. Um, and so here we have this promise from God that he had already delivered these guys into the Israelites' hands. They had nothing to fear. Um, and so there's encouragement there that God is being faithful. He's remaining faithful to his people, even in their uh, ill-advised deal that they made with the Gibeonites. God is saying, look, I'm going to remain faithful to you guys, and I'm on your side, and they will not stand before you. And so uh, it's encouraging when God has <laughs> told us, and sometimes some of us know that God, God speaks to us and, and we've been encouraged in the past by the fact that God says, yeah, I'm on your side. And so if God is for us, who can be against us, guys? And, and I think that the Israelites definitely had that uh, view in this battle and in this fight that they were fighting. Um, the people put in the effort so that they would fulfill their word. They marched hard. And that's something that's important, guys, is that um, God didn't say sit on your chairs and wait and I'll just go kill all of these people for you. Um, he, he didn't say, don't worry about it. I'll take care of them a different way. They actually showed up to the party. They showed up and did what they said they would do. They showed up on behalf of the Gibeonites. They, they showed up to protect them and they fought this fight um, passionately. Uh, and this fight would have been intimidating for the people. Again, we said that this was the first time that they were coming against multiple armies. It wasn't just one city. And, but because God had uh, said that they were already delivered, 
I believe that that gave the people the courage to fight. I believe that that would give anybody the courage to fight. If God says, hey, look, I've already won this battle, then I believe that people are way more prone to saying, okay, then I can handle this. Um, And so I, I think that we see that here. And it's so important for us to listen to God as we face trials and battles. Uh, when we listen to him, uh, we become emboldened to face the future. And so these people were were refreshed. They were excited. They were probably pumped up. I mean, it's battle, so you got to figure there's some sort of excitement going on. And and so there is this air probably of feeling like, uh, you know what, I can take on the world right now. Uh, I can take on these five armies and it's okay because God said he'd be here with me. And so we need to be encouraged that God is on our side. God is for you. He's not, he's not working against you. A lot of people feel like God is just, you know, throwing them curveballs, especially in this time where things are uncertain and all these kinds of things. We feel like maybe sometimes God is against us, and that is just not the case, guys. He is so for us. And if he's for us, then guys, and I think Pastor Rob said it last week, there's nothing that can overcome us. If he's for us, then we have nothing else to worry about. And so so they can go forward in boldness and they do. And here's the thing is God was faithful to, to his people and gave them the strength to fight the battle. Uh, the children of Israel, uh, Joshua's army, were winning the fight and the Lord sent hailstones from heaven to destroy the army even more. So he's, he's not just delivered them into the hands. And, and again, this is where he's not just a passive God saying cute words. He's actually active in their lives and taking part in the battle and, and throwing hailstones down from heaven. And I imagine that this was quite the event and quite the thing to, to see and be looked at. But how encouraging is that to know that we have God on our side and he's fighting our battles with us. He's fighting them for us, absolutely, but he's also fighting them with us. And so we need to be encouraged to continue on in whatever fight we're going through. Um, For these people, it was a literal battle. And so Joshua, it's funny because here we're going to move into the miracle part um, in verse 12. And it says, then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day uh, when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And then in verse 13, it's amazing. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped uh, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. And there's a bunch of different theories and we're going to get into it in a second on what actually happened here and, and all this kind of stuff. But it's just, do you see the encouraging words that Joshua has here? He, he speaks to the Lord and he, he knows that the Lord is on his side. And so he asks God, you know what? Make the sun stand still for a little while longer so that we can finish this. And, and if you guys understand old war, it would make sense because these people, if they get away, if the nighttime falls, then guys, they might slip away into nothingness and you never see them again. Or they might regroup and get a bigger force together to come back at you the next day. And so Josh, Joshua here is asking for an opportunity for more time to take out the enemy of Israel and the enemies of the Gibeonites. And so God is faithful in that. And, and so God stopped the earth. Now, uh, I believe personally, well, okay, we'll, we'll get into what I believe in a second, but there's a, there's some different opinions on this. There's, there's some people that think, okay, that's a literal stopping of the earth. There's other people that think that it's a miracle of light refraction. Um, there's a missing day theory where, where there's a missing 23 hours and 20 minutes uh, from this day, 
And then when uh, Samuel in 2 Kings asks for 10 more uh, minutes or 10 more degrees on his life is what, what the Lord says, you know, it's easy for the earth to move forward 10 degrees, but how hard is it for the earth to move backwards 10 degrees? And he moves the, back, the earth backwards 10 degrees, and that equates to about 40 minutes. So you have 23 hours and 20 minutes here and 40 minutes here, and that equals the missing day. And that's how things got uh, messed up. Look, the, the earth... Uh, the, the truth is, is it's all in God's hands. So before we get into any of these theories and kind of what I believe, what I want to point out more importantly is that God created the earth. So the creator, while he creates the laws of nature, while he, while he designs them and works within them often, he is not subject to them. And so he is able to work outside of those parameters as well. And sometimes God does that and that's what makes it a miracle. That's what is, is the very definition of miraculous, is something that cannot be done within the confines of the laws of nature. And so uh, we'll, we'll talk about the earth slowing down. And so the, there's a possibility, again, a lot of people have a problem with this because if the earth just stops spinning, then, there, then at however many thousands of miles we're moving or rotating every day, um, people would fly off of the earth if it just stopped in space. And so there would be quite the uh, destruction. And, and they, you know, critics will say, well, that's why the earth couldn't have stopped because everybody would have flown off uh, of the earth. Um, I'm not going to say that that's even remotely possible. If God is in control, then I believe 100% that he can hold all of us down on the earth and, and we would not even know if, if the earth stopped except for by his word. Um, but it's also possible that the earth slowed down, um, even slowing down slightly and creating the idea of one rotation of the earth on the earth's axis instead of being a day, a 24-hour period, maybe it slowed down to where that's a 48-hour period or a 47-hour period or whatever. Um, so it actually, the, the earth's rotation just slowed down. And if you do that, uh, if you guys think about it this way, if you're driving on the highway and you're going... Uh, 30 kilometers an hour, or let's let's bump it up to 60 kilometers an hour, and you slam on your brakes, everybody jerks forward, and you feel that inertia uh, movement. But if, you, if you're going 60 kilometers an hour, and you slowly tap on the brakes, and for the next two minutes, you are slowing down consistently with the brakes, then you don't feel any inertia. And if you were closing your eyes, a lot of, a lot of times you would have a hard time even telling if you had stopped. Uh, versus moving. And so so it's possible that the earth slowed down in its rotation and that the inertia, um, no one felt it. Again, the, the reason why I don't really grab onto this theory is because I, I'm okay with God being big enough to be able to stop the earth and hold everybody on it. Um, and so I want to make sure that we, we know, I'm not saying that absolutely the earth slowed down. I'm not saying, I believe that the earth stopped and however that happened is how it happened. But there's also, you know, the miracle of light refraction, and that's, you know, saying that God made it look like the day was still coming uh, on, even though the sun had already gone down. He was using light refraction to keep the battlefield lit. Um, there's the missing day theory, and we talked about that. Interestingly enough, uh, the Chinese uh, people, the Incas, um, uh, the Aztecs, the Babylonians, they all have legends of a lengthened day. And not only that, NASA can now rewind time in space. I don't know how they all do it. I, there's 
there's, I'm sure there's a computer program that does this, but they rewind time and they've actually found a lengthened day um, back around the time of 1023 BC or so, um, which is when this was actually October 30th is when they say uh, it, it actually happened. And so um, the lengthened day theory is, is great, but it's the, is the idea that the earth just slowed down long enough um, for them to complete the, the, the battle. Um, and so there's, there's also another theory that's an interesting theory that states that the sun, it was actually like a, an eclipse of the sun and that Joshua wasn't asking at the end of the day of battle for uh, lengthened time, but that he was actually at noontime, he was asking for God to cover the sun so that they wouldn't be hot. Uh, while they fought the battle so that they wouldn't drain themselves of energy. Because if you guys didn't know, um, in the Middle East, it gets a little warm uh, during the middle of the day. And so there, that's an interesting theory. Again, sometimes I feel like people are just trying to look for a reason to explain God away um, and, and, a, uh, and a logical or scientific or whatever you want to say reason or, or excuse for how that could have happened. I am 100% okay with just saying that God stopped the earth in a miraculous way and allowed them to keep fighting the fight. Um, and here's the thing is whatever ultimately happened, God performed the miracle and the armies were able to complete the victory. And when we look to God for help, and this is so important, when we look to God for help, he is never too occupied to hear us. It may have seemed like a weird request for, for Joshua to ask for the sun to stop. When you think about the legitimacy of wanting to end this battle though today, it makes a little bit more sense. But guys, God heard his request. When we make a request to God, no matter how small it is, he hears it. Now, we may not get the answer that we always want. Uh, we might get told no <laughs> when we request something from God. But no matter how small that request is, God hears it. And I'm not going to go into personal because some of my things are weird and you guys know that about me. But here's the thing is God cares about everything that's happening in your life. Every minute detail that you think no one cares about but your own self, God cares about that. And God wants to speak into those things. He wants you to be open about those things. He wants you to bring your requests to him and make them known. And so Joshua is a great picture of how we can do that. And God will, God will answer. Now, again, I don't know of many people. Uh, in fact, I know of no people that have spoken to God and told the sun to stand still and the earth stop on its rotation. I don't know of any stories other than this one uh, where that legitimately happened. And so it's not that we demand anything from God or that we command anything of God. It's that he hears our requests. And when we ask in the spirit for reasons that are not selfish, for reasons that are not so that we can spend them on our own fleshly desires, as, as James says, when we ask things of God, he hears them and he is faithful to answer. Again, whether or not we like the answer is not really what I'm saying here, uh, but he will answer you. And so even if you think that it's so small, even if you think that it's so minute, be encouraged that you can ask God and you can make requests of God and he will hear you and he will answer you. And so continue. If there's something that you've been praying for for 15 years, continue to pray for it. Uh, if there's someone that you've been praying for for a long time, continue to pray for that person. They might not believe in the Lord and you might just want to be so like 
bringing them to the Lord and it's been decades of you praying for this person, guys, continue to pray for that person. God is not ignoring you. It's just he's working in his time to make his will uh, perfected, not your will. So it's not our will, but yours be done, O Lord. And so I encourage you guys, continue to pray, continue to seek him and continue to look to him to give you the guidance that you need and the encouragement that you need in your walk of faith as we see Joshua and the people of Israel did here. Um, to wrap this, uh, this whole sermon up uh, today, uh, I want to I say the battle belongs to the Lord. And we didn't get into chapters 11 and 12 because a lot of them are, a lot of those two chapters are um, old dead guys that I have a hard time pronouncing their name. And so I, instead of embarrassing myself trying to pronounce those names, I'll let you uh, wrestle with those names on your own time. But in the end, the fact is the people were victorious over the five kings. Jerusalem was the only city that was left alone, kind of, until David took it uh, years later. Uh, but we can look to this story as an encouragement on being uh, faithful to our word. So when you say you are going to do something or when you say you're not going to do something, that means you need to honor that word. Um, be faithful, not just to your word to other people, to myself or to your friends or to your family, but be faithful to the words that you've given to God as well. If you've told God that you're going to do something, then do it. Um, if you've said that you would, you would, you know, honor this or or do that, then then guys, it's important that we become people of our word. And God is faithful to us uh, no matter what. And that's the the biggest encouragement. If you take anything away from this message, it's that it's that God is faithful to you no matter what. So don't think to yourself, don't fall into the trap that I fell into for so many years of my life where I thought that God was so disappointed in me that he had, there was no way he was going to even try and bless me. Um, that there was no way that he would want to bless me because I was so unfaithful. Guys, God is faithful to us even when we are not faithful to him. Now that doesn't give us a carte blanche to do whatever we want or to, you know, free reign to be little jerks. Uh, but it does mean that that God is faithful to you regardless of who you are. I mean, everybody can take a breath in right now and breathe or has blood flowing through their veins or has something that they can be blessed by. If they think hard enough, there are things that we can be thankful for. And so God is faithful to us even when we don't realize it. And so we can rest knowing that if he's, if he's the one fighting our battles, uh, then there can be no one that can overcome him. And so we are not subject to anything else except for him. Like we want to come under his authority. We want to be listening to what he has to say and nothing else. Uh, so my encouragement is to you, uh, to you is this. Trust the Lord this week. Trust the Lord with your battles. Uh, let him lead and let him send down the hailstorm to take out the enemy. Let him stop the sun and create miracles in your life where you may be looking or where you may not be looking. And in, and, and, be in tune to what his will is in your life this week and remain faithful to him. If you said you're going to pray, pray. If you said you're going to read, read. If you said you're going to take that person out to coffee, take that person out to coffee. If you said you were going to give the gospel to someone, give the gospel to someone. And, and when we say give the gospel, this is what we mean. Jesus Christ came to this earth to live a perfect life. He was the only one that was able to live a perfect life. All of us, Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And 
So you're no different, I'm no different. The only one that is different is Jesus Christ. And he came and lived a perfect life on this earth, showed us how to live uh, and follow the Lord, follow God. And he died on a cross. He was put to death uh, for punishment that he made. He committed no crime. We committed the crime and he was punished for our sins. He died on that cross and three days later he rose again, conquering death. All we have to do, all you must do to be saved is to believe in him. To believe in him as your personal savior, as your Lord, and to repent of your sins. Guys, that's it. And so when we say give the gospel, when we talk about giving the gospel, that's it. That's as simple as it is. There's no complex equation. There's nothing that we have to do to earn it. It's just praying that prayer, God, I am a sinner and I am sorry and I want to follow you. And so, guys, I would encourage you, if you haven't prayed that prayer, to pray that prayer this morning uh, or today or tonight or this week, whenever you're watching this uh, message, and, and be encouraged that God hears that and God wants you. And guys, if you do pray that prayer, let somebody know. Encourage them by, by telling, <laughs> telling them about your choice to come follow Jesus. And so with that, guys, we want to encourage you to live your life as an overcomer, understanding that God is the one who has overcame. And so with that, let's pray. God, we thank you for today. I thank you that you show up in miraculous ways in our lives. Lord, and in this story even, as you showed up with Joshua and the armies of Israel, I pray that you would be glorified even today and we can know that you are in control of the cosmos, that you control our lives to some extent and that we have free will in that. And Lord, we thank you so much that you have died on the cross and that you've saved us from our sins. I pray that we would rest in that knowledge and rest in that comfort. We pray that you would just go with us this week and bless our week. In your name. Amen.